0: Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. How
1: are you? Doing great. Uh, Derek, we've got a great show today. We'll be talking later in the program with Yvette Harrell. She's the congressional seat number two Republican candidate running against Societorio Small. Uh, then uh, we've got a clip from the president where he is uh, really talking about the demonstrators versus the rioters and Antifa, those who want to destroy the country versus those who are protesting acts of violence against George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department and so we have a great program for you also are going to be talking later in the program with a veteran from grants an American Legion guy complaining that the draft brewery get to open up, the small breweries in Albuquerque and around the state, but they who have club privileges could control the access a lot more. So the veterans are being discriminated against, even though they're the ones who fight for the freedom. And so that's going to be a fascinating part of the program. But as we get started, we just got word this last week that the Supreme Court is going to hear our case on whether or not the governor has the right to to find businesses $5,000 a day. We read the law, and we say she does not have that right. They have been exercising the right, but curiously, they're not using the law as a reason. They're explaining that it's, there's such an urgent crisis that she must must do that. So she petitioned the Supreme Court to hear the case rather than going through the district court, through the Court of Appeals, and then to the Supreme Court, and we agreed with that. We want it to be heard at the highest level possible, as soon as possible, because businesses in New Mexico need a break. We've got an amicus brief that we're asking businesses and business associations to sign on to. It's interesting how many are just frightened of the governor and her notorious ability and willingness to have retaliation against different businesses. And so a lot of fear. You know, our founding fathers addressed this issue. When the government fears the people, we have liberty. When the people fear the government, we have tyranny. And that's what we're experiencing right now. This is not liberty. We're saying, you know, Delaware is not typically a very conservative state, but their Supreme Court recently decided on behalf of faith groups there that it was unconstitutional to treat faith groups differently than businesses. The big box stores could admit almost anybody, and the, the faith groups in that state were limited to 10 people gathering, and the big box stores didn't have that same restriction. So the courts have decided that they can't have any restrictions on the freedom to express your faith. and um, So that includes the way you worship. At one point, the governor of Delaware had even said what they could do and couldn't do in their worship services, much like this governor has done here in the state. So a lot of things now coming up that really cause us to know that we're in a fight for our freedom yes, and our and, liberty.
0: And Illinois also just won a case like that where the, the governor lost.
1: Yeah. And so we're as doing as the Republican Party is we're suggesting that every county form its own freedom march. It's on peaceful demonstration on July the 4th. And so we're daring the governor to come in and shut us down. She allowed the violent protest to go on. And so we will see if we can have these peaceful protests across the state at Ute Lake. They're trying to have a thousand people show up there. And so, again, if it's OK for people to demonstrate against the government and against the police, we should be able to demonstrate on behalf of the police and on behalf of the veterans like we'll be talking to later in this program. And so those freedom marches, again, set up for the 4th of July, the Republican Party in each county has been tasked to set up their own freedom march. It doesn't have to actually be a Republican group. It can be anyone. But let's protest on behalf of the people who have done so much for this nation. I wanted to give the listeners a chance to hear the president. A while back, I had texted uh, to Mark Meadows, a friend of mine. He's now the chief of staff of the president. And I said, look, y- you got to have the president speaking, saying that it's OK for people to protest the police actions because the brutality involving George Floyd was extreme and over the top and should be protested. But then you've got the people who are rioting, they're looting, they're tearing down the stores. And also you have Antifa, who is trying to tear down the basic foundations of the republic. And so the president very clearly listened to Mark, his chief of staff, to say that it's okay to talk about the peaceful protest, protesting the actions against George Floyd, and to be opposed to those people who are tearing down our government and suggesting that we want to defund police. Those things don't make sense at all, and so the president has a very good clip that we came across this week, and so I want you to listen to that.
2: I understand the pain that people are feeling. The death of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis was a grave tragedy. It should never have happened. It has filled Americans all over the country with horror, anger and grief. We support the right of peaceful protesters and we hear their pleas The voices of law-abiding citizens must be heard, and heard very loudly. We will stand with the family of George Floyd, with the peaceful protesters, and with every law-abiding citizen who wants decency, civility, safety, and security. But what we are now seeing on the streets of our cities has nothing to do with justice or with peace. The memory of George Floyd is being dishonored by rioters, looters, and anarchists. The violence and vandalism is being led by Antifa and other radical left-wing groups who are terrorizing the innocent, destroying jobs. did this, this for no reason. The mobs are devastating the life's work of good people and destroying their dreams.
0: We worked so
3: hard to get you. So
2: it harms those who have the least. We cannot and must not allow a small group of criminals and vandals to wreck our cities and lay waste to our communities. We must defend the rights of every citizen to live without violence, prejudice, or fear. Healing, not hatred, justice, not chaos, are the mission at hand. I stand before you as a friend and ally to every American seeking justice and peace. No one is more upset than fellow law enforcement officers by the small handful who fail to abide by their oath to serve and protect. We support the overwhelming majority of police officers who are incredible in every way and devoted public servants. We must all work together as a society to expand opportunity and to create a future of greater dignity and promise for all of our people. Every citizen and every community has the right to be safe in their workplace, safe in their homes, and safe in our city streets. We are working toward a more just society, but that means building up, not tearing down. Joining hands, not hurling fists. Standing in solidarity, not surrendering to hostility. This is the sacred right of all Americans that I am totally determined to defend and will defend.
0: Steve Pierce and I will be back in just a moment with our guest on Inside New Mexico.
4: On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19.
0: Welcome back to Inside New Mexico with Steve Pierce. And Steve, let's bring in our special guest.
1: Well, Derek, as we mentioned in the previous segment, we have Yvette Harrell. She's the Republican candidate in CD2. Yvette, tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What have you made your career in? Tell us some background information on yourself.
4: Yes, I'm happy to. Born and raised in New Mexico, actually born in Rideau, so. And grew up and went to school in Cloudcroft. Have spent my adult life in business for myself and a variety of businesses, but as of late, for the last 10 to 15 years, been more engaged in real estate. I am currently a real estate agent or future real estate. My dad was a real estate agent, a broker, and also a developer. So I had a lot of firsthand experience with family owned businesses and then have been blessed to both work for and own my own small businesses. Here in the state and now i currently reside in alamogordo uh, so right in the heart of the second congressional district so very exciting times and uh, excited to be the nominee for the uh, november ballot
1: well this is not your first experience in politics give the listeners just a sense about your background in the political sphere
4: i served actually as a legislative assistant for two years and then in 2010 i ran for the new mexico legislature house district 51 and was blessed enough to be able to stay in that seat for four terms. So I served eight years as a legislator, which is really, I think, important and vital to this race right now because that experience has given me the opportunity to really understand the challenges of our state, of this district, certainly, the different industries, whether it's oil and gas or cattle growers or small business development. It also gave me the opportunity to develop a lot of relationships statewide and on the national level, and I believe right now, as we're seeing so many differences and so many changes happening on both state and federal level, that experience is going to be vital for me as a candidate because I understand what's happening. We've got relationships built with a number of people around the state, and just having that understanding, that knowledge, and those relationships is going to be key in representing the people of the 2nd Congressional District.
1: Well, what are the issues that, as a state legislator, you spent the most time working on
4: For me, the most important one, and I think this stems from growing up in Cloudcroft and understanding really the challenges of our rural communities, but it was always our ag industries, whether it's our producers, beef producers, water rights, personal property rights, the Endangered Species Act, things that I understood really compromised our ability to have an industry such as the timber industry, and a lot of that also came from working with you, your office, the Western Caucus, on these issues that are so prevalent in the Western states. My heart was really always just our rural industries, farming, ag, timber, those type of things.
1: You mentioned the Endangered Species Act. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'll agree with not letting species go extinct. Share with us just a bit about how a bill like that sounds so good, has good intentions, but ends up being counterproductive or damaging to local economies or to local residents even in their pursuit of their own private property and in the way that they are able to manage that. So talk a little bit about something like the Endangered Species Act, if you would.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the the bills on the surface sometimes sound very, very appealing. Uh, A lot of people think, yes, that's a great idea. We need to do that. But once you kind of start peeling back the layers, they don't understand that in doing so, some of this legislation will prohibit farmers and ranchers from utilizing their water rights, water rights that had been adjudicated for decades, and now the Endangered Species Act will compromise their ability to use that water for their operations, whether it's cattle, farming, those types of things, just like the wild and scenic waterway bill that uh, both our senators right now are pushing It sounds great. It sounds like we want to make sure we maintain that water and the public can have access to it. But what people do not realize is it strips away 14,000 acre-feet of water and does not protect the private property owner from frivolous lawsuits. And so it, again, just compromises the ability for our farming, ranching communities to utilize that water. And it is very complex in some ways. But we've seen this over and over where we've seen our cattle producers, especially going to court to keep their water rights, their property rights. And we worked on the Goss family ranch over the years as I was a state representative and even as you served in Congress to protect their water rights because of the... New Mexico jumping mouse, the mouse that became a part of this Endangered Species Act, but also compromised their ability to run their operations effectively and efficiently because they made them fence off a lot of the water because that was the habitat for this mouse, which, by the way, nobody ever saw. But these are the kind of things, once you start peeling back the layers, you can see how harmful this legislation can be for our individual families and our industries.
1: Now, you have come through recently uh, finishing up on top of a contentious three-way primary. Tell us a little bit about the, how the other candidates are working with you now. Are we going to be unified in that race moving forward? That's the question I get most from our listeners.
4: I was really really honored. The night we won the election, both Chris Mathis and Claire Chase both reached out to me. And the three of us had been asked multiple times throughout the primary if we would support the nominee. And we all yeah. said that we would. So it was a- it was great. They've already reached out. In fact, both have put out email statements to their email list to encourage people, let's get united, let's get behind the nominee.
1: So when you consider running against Soshi Torres-Small, the congresswoman from this district, the 2nd District of New Mexico, where do you think that she's vulnerable?
4: Oh, I absolutely think her vulnerability stems from her voting record right now. And we've polled, and I know everybody else has seen polls, President Trump won this district, just the 2nd Congressional By 10 points in 2016, his approval rating in the district still today is in the high 80 percentile. And when you vote to impeach a president that has that much favorability in this district, I think this is a very unforgiving district, just like they did with Congressman Teague when he was in for that one term. He voted with Nancy Pelosi on the cap and trade. We've just seen a number of votes, not only the impeachment for President Trump, but not to fund the wall that is such an important part of our national security and we have a lot of that in our district in terms of communities and farmers, families that live right on the border, you know to allow illegals to vote in our elections to vote to uh, allow future presidents to ban fracking, which is of course new mexico's bread and butter, and she even voted in, in favor of this proxy voting, which I know a lot of New Mexicans have a real problem with that because if you're not willing to go to Washington to do the job that the voters put you in office to do then you're not really the right person that will take our values to Washington DC
1: I was a little bit shocked when I saw that she's doing very very few town halls
4: You're right and in fact I've heard that over and over she's very inaccessible But what people have, voters and New Mexicans as a whole, have started to understand is coming to the district and kind of shaking your head and nodding and smiling and saying, yes, you know, that looks great, or we'll look into it or we'll do that, and then going to Washington, D.C. and taking a 180 in terms of her vote. But she's been very insulated, and I know even when we were running in the primary, a couple of news outlets from Albuquerque had done Interviews with the primary candidates and told me themselves that she had declined to do any of their interviews. And it's almost as if they don't want her talking to anybody.
1: We've been talking in this segment with Yvette Harrell. She's the Republican candidate for Congressional District 2. Good luck to you. Best wishes to you. And thanks for being willing to run in these tough times
4: as a Republican. I appreciate it. You know what? I couldn't be more excited about it. And I just keep telling everybody we need to keep praying for the country. Praying for our state, and let's turn this state red for President Trump and get America back on track.
1: All right, thanks again. Listeners, uh, you've been hearing Yvette Harrell, uh, the Republican candidate in Congressional District 2 in the November election running against Congresswoman torres Small. Thank you very much, Yvette, and the best wishes. Thank you.
0: Steve Pierce and I will return in just a moment with more on Inside New Mexico.
3: Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veterans Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387.
0: Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill. I'm talking with our chairman of the Republican Party, Steve Pierce. A while back, we interviewed the lady that's head of the Restaurant Association of New Mexico, and she said 220 restaurants have closed their doors forever, and two of them that I like to go to, one, I know the owners, and so do you. You and I had lunch there when you were in Grants. It's the Wow Diner in Milan, kind of a 50s-style diner, and... The other, the Cooperage in Albuquerque Steakhouse, for 44 years they've been in business, and their type of business just doesn't work for carry-out, pick a steak dinner. It's hard to do that and take that home. So uh, you know Richard and Stephanie at the Wow Diner. Tell me your thoughts on how sad this is.
1: Well, it's number one, uh, you hate when anyone, and something bad happens to anyone, but you really hate it when you know the people. I love going into the diner there. I'm very familiar with it. Uh, you and I had lunch there, but we had political meetings there. It was just a congenial, good atmosphere. Local folks, and I know that the fact that it's in Cibola County that, that most of the people who work there and uh, would sit there and eat are Democrats, because most of Cibola County is Democrats. But they are always so gracious and so kind, and they knew I was a Republican, but they also knew that I loved whoever that we represented everyone and so to see the closure after decades of being in business uh, is is just heartbreaking our governor doesn't seem to care at all again she has different rules for different businesses uh, nothing makes sense about the way the governor is handling this COVID 19. well there's uh, something it just...
0: else steve too it, it, since they're in cibola county you know she kept cibola county closed longer And now on the Wow Diner's website, they don't say why. They just say they're closing their doors Sunday, June 14th. But there's something else. There's the Energy Transition Act, where you're losing a power plant and a mine in this Grants area with hundreds of people leaving. And so I can only assume they just, after the COVID virus, they just don't see a future.
1: Democrats just don't understand that we need jobs in places like grants. We need jobs in places like Milan. And when they passed the Green Energy Act, that that, that act that, that just parallels AOC's ideas for the future of the country to get rid of all fossil fuels, all coal, all oil and gas that number one is impractical. You can't have businesses driven on solar and wind energy. Europe is finding that out right now, so they're having to shut down industries, and they're rolling back on the whole cap-and-trade scheme that they laid in several years ago. The Democrats don't align with the jobs that are in New Mexico. That's an essential reason that I believe that the state will turn red, because people are fearful how they're going to feed a family. They're just having to move out of the state. we got no future when we lose all of the people out of the state and especially the young people.
0: I'd like to play an interview for you that I did with Aaron Dean. Aaron Dean is the commander of the American Legion in Grants, New Mexico, and he's not happy.
3: Well, my situation here is we're a private club. The American Legions, the DVAs, and the VFWs, we're all private veterans organizations. And my issue is the governor opens up breweries that anybody can go in. So who's gonna monitor that? When they come in our buildings, it's a private club, membership, they have to sign in. So we can monitor everybody that comes in or goes out of our building. And uh, I I don't understand where this favoritism of stuff is coming from. And then she makes the comment that they're not gonna be in a brewery very long. How does she figure? They haven't been able to go out, haven't been able to do anything for three months. And then where do they get off saying that the veterans uh, organizations are old people and they're in the higher risk group? I don't understand that either. We have young veterans. It just doesn't make sense. We all put our lives on the line to fight for this country, but then again, we have no rights. She's taken all of our rights away. I guess what we're going to have to do is get all of the veterans together and go protest at the roundhouse that we still have our rights. I remember in Vietnam, they, they protested against us going to Vietnam, but we still went.
0: Any tracing that would need to be done, like you said, you know who's there. You're all members.
3: That's right. Like I said, it, it's the American Legions, the VFWs, the DAVs, all the private clubs. the country clubs even. Leave it there. The country club knows who comes and goes at their country club.
0: Is there a way people can contact you? And Oh, and
3: there's not, not, a, not a worry at all. My, my cell phone number is 505-290-0481.
0: Well, I hope that gets worked out. Hopefully the governor will pay attention. Maybe she just didn't realize that uh, you guys are doing the same thing but safer that the breweries that she allowed to open are doing
3: so oh well, I guess I say the the private clubs are are three times got more security than what she's going to have in a brewery because they do not come in the door without signing in yeah and they have to be a member
0: so for contact tracing if something did happen you'd know exactly who was exactly.
3: there. Exactly. If somebody gets sick and there's something who was there who was there that day? Who was there that day? Who was there at that time of day? Right. It's all it's everything is recorded. Aaron Dean, thank you. Thank you, Derek, for this and I hope we can get something done and somewhere, somehow, I hope the legislature legislature session will you know, let's get back to this is America.
0: That was Aaron Dean, who is the commander of the American Legion in Grants, New Mexico. Steve?
1: So the special session is coming up on the 18th or 19th. Is scheduled to start just any day now here in New Mexico. Of course, they're going to deal with the budget shortfall, but uh, it also is apparent that the governor is going to bring up this whole VBM, the vote-by-mail system that the Supreme Court said could not be done in that primary election. So they're going to try to pass a law to allow it to be done in November, Keep in mind that BBM is a system that is being pushed by George Soros nationwide. And now then coming out of Palm Beach, there has been a strong investigation there where a couple of Democrats on the primary ballot in 2017 actually exposed loopholes in that BBM system going into people's houses and pressuring them to fill those ballots out. About 40 percent of the people never fill out their ballots, never turn them in and uh, frankly you know that by looking at their voting record and so what's happening is candidates or their workers are going into homes or going to homes and threatening people they're pushing them they're saying i want you to fill them out and i want to look at you filling them out that's a violation of the secret ballot and so when new mexico is considering doing this bbm system understand that it will come with many many opportunities for fraud we still oppose that i think republicans in the state legislature are going to oppose that in the special session, but a tremendous number of things happening here in New Mexico that we need to be watchful on. Thank
0: you, Steve. And I do want to remind our listeners to please stay engaged with what's happening with the Republican Party by going to their website at www.gopnm.org. You'll get the latest news, upcoming events, information about elected officials, there's voter resources there, and all kinds of important and useful information about the party and its mission. You can listen to previous editions of Inside New Mexico there, and please check out the party's Facebook page. They also have a Twitter account. The handle is at NewMexicoGOP. The Republican Party of New Mexico is always looking for volunteers to help them with their mission to win New Mexico for President Trump and to turn the roundhouse red. You can call the party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. we look forward to meeting with you again right here next week on Inside New Mexico.